I tend to misplace stuff. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not necessarily unorganized. Actually, I, I think I am pretty organized. But then I'll just, I'll forget things. It's like I'll get working on something and I'll forget. Went to lunch this week with Cody, our student pastor, and we walked into a restaurant. And it's the weird thing about Southeast Texas. It's like, it's cold enough you need a coat, but you get inside and it's hot and it's uncomfortable. And um, for us big boys, they don't make tables for us to sit at and have our coats sit with us. There's just not, there's simply not room. And so I, I walked up and I, we were sitting down and, and I leaned over to Cody and I said, hey, look, Cody, I'm going to set my jacket right here. Don't let me leave without it. I mean, you would think that just saying, don't let me leave without it would be enough to jar my mind that I'm going to need to remember to pick it up. We finished eating. I think I'm just absorbed in the food. Start to walk out, and I hear Cody go, Pastor, Pastor. And sure enough, he's got my coat, which my wife gave me for Christmas. You know, it's not like something I want to lose. This is your coat, because I forget. Even last night, I'm getting ready for bed, and I thought I had laid out, and I, th- I thought I knew exactly where my pajamas were. And I'm going to have to go, Carrie, where are my pajamas? Yesterday afternoon, I, I, I recommended Twizzlers for gaming a couple weeks ago. And uh, I came in tired, exhausted, just won first place again. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the sub- subtlety of that humility there. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm looking through the counter and I'm going, where's the Twizzlers? She's like, they're gone. I said, how can they be gone? I know I left some last week. Well, other people in the house actually eat them. It's like, I'm shocked. Seriously, I thought they were just exclusively mine. I'm like, I can be that selfish sometimes. I just, you know, I get confused sometimes. I lost an expensive flashlight out at the ranch a couple weeks ago when we had taken Erica out um, deer hunting. My, fan, my buddy had to go out in the field and find it. I was so excited about getting her out for her first hunt We left out for the hunt, and I'm driving down the hill, and I'm cruising. I'm excited about what's going to take place. I look at the handlebars. There's no gun. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever tried hunting without a gun. Um, It doesn't work well, at least not for me. And now I'm going to cough again, so let me grab my... See, I stood here the whole time going, don't forget your water. And I forgot it. If I'm making you thirsty, there's water out in the cafe. You're welcome to go get one. Can you imagine misplacing Jesus? The passage of Scripture we're looking at actually finds Jesus' earthly parents, his mother Mary, his stepfather, so to speak, Joseph, returning back home after going through all the ceremonies and rituals required according to their faith, And in that moment, they forget Jesus. They misplace him. They they lose sight of him. The passage is in Luke chapter 2, so you know I'm not making up this story. Starts in verse 41. And I want to talk about how we basically can, assuming I can talk about it. I want to talk about how we avoid 
especially this time of year when we've just been so focused on Christmas and so focused on who Jesus is and and what he's done for our life and how his life and how his death and how his resurrection give us new life, how we can avoid losing sight of Jesus. This is the last of this, the story of the King series. And so so we want to not lose sight of the story, the King that we've fallen in love with. So I'm going to give you just four simple, easy little tips that I think will help us make sure that spiritually we don't lose sight of our Savior, of our God, of our, of our Heavenly Father, of the one who loves us so much and has taken our life to a whole new level and we experience him and love him. One of the things I have to do is in my life, make sure I don't have inaccurate assumptions. In other words, what do I take for granted? If you look at verse 41, Luke chapter 2, verse 41, we see the first part of this story. And I'll be honest, it's a perplexing story. It's a little confusing. Um, I have troubles wrapping my mind around it. I always have from the first time I read it as a new believer until today teaching it. Because it's just, it's hard for me to imagine how the parents could lose Jesus. And it's hard for me to quite understand how Jesus seems perfectly fine with the fact that his parents have been searching for three days um, and how all that works together in our mind. Part of the difficulty and part of what happens spiritually is we make inaccurate assumptions. We take things for granted. Every year his parents traveled in verse 41 to Jerusalem for Passover festival. When he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom of the festival. After those days were over, as they were returning... The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming he was in the traveling party, they went a day's journey. Those are the things I have troubles processing. I've never been in a caravan of this nature. I've never traveled like this in the ancient Near East in the first century A.D., Most scholars believe that probably children ran together and flocked together just like they do here at church and they're doing things and they're, and so parents assume that their child is with the rest of the kids. And that night when they go to camp, they find out, no, he or she's not here. And that's the assumption about this passage of scripture is Mary and Joseph have been traveling. Everything's going fine. Jesus hasn't been around lately, but you know, he's 12 years old. He's running around with the other preteens. He's, he's hanging out with the other kids. He was a kid. I mean, yes, he was son of God, but he was just as much man as he was son of God. And so he's a kid, and he's doing kid things, and he's doing kid activities, and the parents assume that's what's taking place. But the assumption was wrong. Jesus never left Jerusalem. And now they're a, a day out of Jerusalem, and they find out that he's missing. Now, spiritually, how many of us, what are are the things in my life that I may falsely assume this year that may distract me or cause me to misplace or even worse, displace God's priority in my life? The growth I want to experience, the, the priority of having Jesus as the one that I'm fully and completely in allegiance to. That he has all of my alliance. He has, he has all of my pledge, all of my heart. I need to be careful what I take for granted. I mean, we've, we've learned that in so many ways spiritually the last few years. I mean, how, how many of us, and I'm going to include myself in this at the top of the list, took church for granted until we woke up one week and suddenly realized 
we can't have church. It's, it's not safe to have church. It's, um, and for a while, we were under government mandates that even if we decide to brave and danger the lack of safety, that we couldn't. We couldn't. We were literally told, you can't have church. I know I have lived as a pastor, assuming every week that there's a next Sunday. That every week there's another gathering. Every week there's another Bible study. Every week there's another time to be together. And literally, in a period of about 48 hours as staff, we found out we couldn't do church. We, we couldn't provide the music like we've always done. We couldn't do the things we've always done. Our families wouldn't be together. We wouldn't be together as a family. It was something I took for granted. And one of the very quick turnarounds that had to happen was realizing we're not going to let that impact who we are. It's not going to change our faith. It's not going to change our worship. We're going to find a way. We're going we're to figure out how to communicate. And our church, in my opinion, brilliant, brilliantly responded to that and said, okay, we can meet this way. We can do video. We can do calls. We can, you know, we can stay in touch with one another. I remember one of the first videos I released to our congregation. I said, we are a culture of friendliness. It's been in our values for over a decade that everything we do would be friendly. And suddenly, I realized every way I knew how to be friendly wasn't available to me anymore. Handshaking wasn't available. Hugging wasn't available. Sitting down over a cup of coffee wasn't going to be available. And I remember challenging us as a congregation from the heart of our staff. We cannot let this cause us to lose our core value. What am I taking for granted in my spirituality? What, what are the things that might cause me to lose it because I'm just assuming that God's going to show up in this moment, in this place, at this time? And my environmental circumstances could change. And believe it or not, the great God that created and we just worshiped and acknowledged his greatness, he actually has the right to change his mind. And what if he says to me, James, I want to do it this way this year. Will I flex? Will I move? Will I not take it for granted that it's going to be this way? And will I respond and react to that? So there's in, inaccurate su- assumptions, which means I need to constantly reevaluate those assumptions, which takes me to the area that I oftentimes get um, just confused and inaccurate in my, my assumptions and in determining where I'm going to look and where I'm going to search. In verse 44, the last part of verse 44, the story continues, and it says, Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. Now, their strategy makes sense. They began looking for him as soon as they realized he was missing. They went to the immediate place. They went to the place that they assumed he was. They went to all their friends and they went among their families and they went between their relatives and they're going to the different youth groups that were part of the caravan and they're, they're looking. They're, you know, they're walking up. Hey, Taylor, have you, seen, have you seen Jesus? Danny, have you seen Jesus? Hannah, have you seen Jesus? Ethan, have you seen Jesus? I mean, they're, they're going to the place they thought he would be. The problem is that's not where he's at. And so they began the journey back and they come, they come back and they go back to Jerusalem and they spend the next two days looking for him. 
So when it comes to searching and it comes to my spirituality, I think it's important to occasionally just remind ourselves and ask ourselves, where, do, where are we getting the information? What am I depending on for my information? Uh, you know, one of the difficulties the last couple of years is we've had to change so much, so fast, and so, in such quick turnaround, it's extremely hard to actually communicate that at times. And it was kind of frustrating on our part, honestly. And there were times we kind of just wanted to scream out over social media, no, listen to us. We actually know what time church is starting. Your friend may or may not know what time church is starting. Because they're, they're looking, and we were looking, but we were, we were going on everybody's opinion. One of the most frustrating things was determining safety protocols. Because I am convinced, two years into this now, this is my one little political comment for the day, nobody has a clue what they're doing. <laughs> we just have to figure this out on our own. But I, you know, I can't tell you how many hours we spent on websites and, and talking to physicians, trying to figure out the best things, only to come to a corporate community conclusion, nobody has an idea what to do. Nobody's been here before. Nobody's done this before. We didn't know where to search. We didn't know where to look. In my spirituality, there are so many questions about the Bible. And I don't want to ruin anybody's faith today. I hope I'm going to make your year a little better and a little easier. Not everybody has the answers. And there are some questions spiritually and about scripture nobody has the answers to. Oh, there are people out there. There are people out there, they will chart it for you, they will write it down, and they will tell you this is exactly how it's going to happen. My favorite, y'all know because I talk about it all the time, is the second coming. There are so many absolute authorities on when Jesus comes back. Now, I am not one of them. Because I am very comfortable with the fact that Jesus said he doesn't know when he's coming back. Dad will tell him, and when, when Dad tells him, he'll come. I'm comfortable with that theology. I, I, I don't know. I get that, I'm definitely not an amillennialist. I'm, not, I'm not, not a postmillennialist. Absolutely. Things aren't getting better. I think all those guys, all those scholars have pretty well died out at the end of the 20th century. Things aren't getting better. That's pretty obvious. So maybe I'm a premillennialist. I mean, I like premillennialism. I, I like the idea of meeting Jesus before I have to suffer. But some days that doesn't feel very real or realistic. I, I don't know. So I'm a like a, I guess I'm like a, when it happens, you know, it is what it is. I guess that's what I am. I'm a, I'm an is what it is second coming guy. Jesus is going to come back. The one thing that scripture does clearly teach is I will know. When the moment happens, it'll be real, real obvious. Nobody's going to be questioning at that time. And I'm just going to live by faith till then. There are so many answers we don't have and so much time spent looking at all those when what God really wants you to do this week, honestly, do what you already know to do, do what scripture already tells you. What God really wants you to do is help that coworker meet Jesus. That's what God wants you to do. He's told us he gave us all of his authority to do that one thing this week. And there are a thousand jillion other things you could do. But Jesus said, this is my authority. I'm going to give it to you. I want you to go and help people become my disciples. I don't have to ask myself. I don't have to question this week. I know God is interested in me having conversations with people one person at a time 
inviting them into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. I, I know that, not because our church posts that and says that and uses that to guide us, but because it says in Scripture, and Jesus himself said, look, this is what I want you to do. Go and do this. And as you help them experience that life-changing relationship, teach them, help them to obey. There's so many things you can do in 2022 and so many things I can do in 2022 that I already know I need to do. I don't need to add another one to the list. And so I will probably not be able to give you the exact date so you can put it in your calendar and set an alert for it on your phone when Jesus is coming back. But I can and I will endeavor this year to help you live like Jesus and strive in my own heart to live like Jesus so that when he comes back, it's a very happy and a very anticipated moment. Understand our assumptions and how they sometimes understand what we're searching for and sometimes we're not searching in the right places. Understand our expectations so that when we find what we're looking for, we're prepared to receive it. What, what, what do we actually think is possible? In verse 47, we have the moment when they find Jesus. And all those who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. He's in the temple. He's talking to the teachers. He's asking questions. He's answering questions. He's in that moment with them. And now we, we, we hear Luke tells us that everyone who's listening is astounded. This would include his parents. Because in verse 48 it says, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, you can kind of hear this with that Mideastern accent. Son, why have you treated us like this? See, that's, that's in the category of things I don't understand. I, I just have troubles processing that this human mother is rebuking the Son of God. I, mean, I just struggle with that personally, and I'm probably not going to find an answer to that, other than technically Jesus is under her authority at this point, and, and he stays under the authority. It's a beautiful story when Jesus turns water into wine. It's really cool. But I don't understand why mom says, you're going to do this. And Jesus says, it's not time for me to do this. And then she looks at him. We don't even have any more words. And he turns to his disciples and says, whatever she says. I just things I don't get in scripture. There's things that I don't understand sometimes. She sees him, why are you doing this to us? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. No doubt. I'm going to be honest with you. I would be a basket case at this point. If I had spent three days on dirt roads and throughout the city of Jerusalem looking for my son, I would be a complete basket case. I would be wrapped up in, in, in a straitjacket by this point. Uh, we have been anxiously searching for you is an inadequate translation, in my opinion. Got to love Jesus' response. Why were you searching for me? You're my 12-year-old son given to me by God with a responsibility to take care of. That's what I would have said. There's no record of what Mary says. Joseph, he's smart. He's off to the side. He's not saying anything. Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? Here's the key part, verse 50. But they did not understand what he said to them. That makes me feel good, kind of. If Mary and Joseph didn't get it, then maybe it's kind of okay that I don't necessarily get it. But part of the reason we don't get it is because our expectations are oftentimes inaccurate. I mean, Jesus was born son of man, son of God. 
His son of man body wouldn't let him speak at his birth, but the son of God soul, the son of God spirit could have said anything and done anything in that moment. Jesus is only 12 years old. It shouldn't be an expectation that he's not doing miracles yet. And yet we see him in the temple with all the experts, all the teachers, everybody who's got a podcast and a blog going on, and he's saying to them, this is what the Father's doing. This is what's happening in the world. This is what's taking place. This is what God thinks about this because he knows at 12, he knows what God's thinking about because he is God. He's just 12-year-old human with an eternal aged elder God living in that human body. He could have done any miracle he wanted to at this point. I kind of think that's where I settle when I'm processing these conflicts. That's where I kind of settle on Mary and the wedding and Jesus and the wine. Is she decided it was time to lift everybody's expectations. Everybody thought Jesus was cool. Everybody thought Jesus was moral. Everybody thought he had good ideas. Some have already decided to follow him. And Mary says, it's time they know who they're dealing with. Let's take water and make it into the finest wine possible for this celebration of the very event that God created and designed so that humans could be happy. Let's make this wedding over the top. Sometimes we have to shift our expectations What do we really think is possible? What do I think God can do this year in my life? What do I think God can do this year in my family's life? What do I think God can do this year in my office? What do I think God can do this year in my classroom or in my school? What do I think God can do this year in our church? And I come to the conclusion that what Paul wrote in Ephesians 3 verse 20 is very accurate for us. That God is able to do and can do exceedingly beyond anything we can imagine. We're at the very tip of what God's capable. Nothing that has happened and nothing that can happen will hinder or remove God's authority or ability to do what he wants to do. What I need to do is shift my expectations so that I can dream like God dreams. And I can anticipate some things this year that are quite honestly unexplainable because they're not me, they're not us, they're God moving. Then the very last one is just an encouragement that I think helps in this process of not misplacing our faith. This is, we're not talking about losing faith. We're not talking about out and out rebellion and just jettisoning everything we believe. We're talking about the casual moments when we simply slip a little bit. When maybe everything gets so busy and we get out of the habit of doing the things that we know are helpful and we need to get back on track. Scripture reading is one of the easiest. Uh, I I encourage you, if you haven't created and um, adopted a a scripture reading for the day, um, Bible plan, you use the one our church uses, version. you go in there. The the 365-day one, it's relentless. You miss one day, and it reminds you you've missed one day. If you miss seven days, you have a tendency to not open the app because you don't want to see it. Say, you're seven days behind. Um, People have told me. I've not actually experienced that. I'm so good at keeping up on time. So I don't, hey, you don't believe that either. That's part of those expectation things. 
when we do slip, and we're going to need to get back on track. Make sure what we retain, that retention isn't inaccurate, but, it's, but it is the things that are helpful. What do we choose to remember? You have this whole incident, which to me, honestly, I've, I've shared it this way, is complex and, and, uh, and difficult to fully process and, and very perplexing to me. But yet the, the summary that Luke gives in verse 51 is they went down with him, he went with them. They went back to Nazareth. He was obedient to them. I knew, I think Luke knew some of us were struggling with that. And then the last part of verse 51, his mother kept all these things in her heart. She kept them in her heart. Now, sometimes we have to choose what we want to remember. I don't think it's saying that she kept the anxiety and the stress and maybe even a little bit of resentment over losing Jesus and over Jesus disappearing and going off to talk to the elders. I don't, I don't think that's what it's saying. I think it's back to the expectations. It's back to the positive astonishment. She chose to remember these moments. The other time we're told that Mary does that is at the birth, at Jesus' birth. After shepherds have come and gone and all the activity has taken place, it simply says, Mary treasured these things in her heart. Choose to remember. And choose to remember the things that are healthy and helpful. I get off track. And I'm behind on my daily Bible reading. And, and it, I'm, I'm seven chapters back. And it's in the book of Leviticus. And I'm like, how am I going to ever make it through this? Remember what it felt like last year to finish. Remember what it felt like to have read all of the Bible and know that you've read it, whether you understood it all or not, you did read it. You get out of habit of going to church. And you haven't worshiped with anybody in a while. And all these other emotions start coming in and you start thinking about how am I, what, you know, what are they going to say if I come back and, and what, what's going to be the response? Remember how good it felt to sing. Remember how good it felt to study the Bible together as a group. Remember what it was like to have somebody happy to see you because they're going to be happy to see you again. They're potentially going to be more happy because they know you and they've missed you. And, and instead of remembering and being anxious over all these other things, remember those good moments so it helps us to take the action we need to take. What are we going to remember? What's going to be a bedrock? When I get that next illness, why well, remember how God helped me through the last one? When people ask me about COVID, well, I remember how God sustained when I felt sicker and as if any moment could bring the end of physical experience. Or well, I just remember how horrible it was because I believe I'm here because God said, not yet. Stay and serve, stay and work. Well, I remember how that gift came in or how that, that refund came in when we didn't think we could pay any bills this week. All of that's God. Let's remember it.